This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am sitting here with Susie Glassman. Susie, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello, everyone. So, as we've kind of talked about, we Susie was the host for Building Blocks, and we kind of Building Blocks sort of ran its course, but we wanted to still give more of a science-based right podcast. So that's kind of what um, Susie and I are going to be doing every other week. And then Meredith and I um, alternate weeks, which is maybe a little bit more entertaining. I think this will probably be entertaining too. Um, but uh, we, we're going to kind of go into, you know, both Susie and I are really into the science part of dieting, right? And I think that many of you, especially once you start Eat to Perform, uh, really start to get into that. So that that both Susie and I are have spent a lot of time this week. Um, why don't I talk about that? I'll just talk about the things that are going on, and then we'll talk about the the, the topic for this week because it it's kind of a good transition. So we've been putting out a lot of these interested posts, um, especially within the Better Dieting group. So if you're um, you know want to be part of the Eat to Perform challenges, they're always free. Um, you know, we give away great prizes. It's kind of interesting because when new people come in, they are often like, whoa, these prizes are really cool. Do people really get them? And then I'm like, well, yeah, just go ahead and check the photos and you'll see all the winners from last year. So, um, hold on one second. Yeah. You should tell them your litmus test for picking prizes. Uh, yeah, what this test is, do I want it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do I want it or do I have it? You right. know? Um, and uh, we just don't put up, put out sucky prizes, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I was really surprised at those Yeti coolers because that was a really popular one. That was something – I will say that that did not um, – I, I do kind of want one now. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. I <laughs> it, was not, it was not on my radar at all. Yeah. Um, and so so that was something. Um, but, you know, if, if, you know, we do put a lot of the interested posts in the Better Dieting group, especially when people are first, you know, getting into the challenges uh, just to kind of run over a plan. And that's actually the topic of this, um, this podcast. Uh couple other things that are happening in Eat to Perform land. Uh, we have gear coming out, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Amber did a phenomenal job. It's kind of a uh, twist on an older uh, um, piece of apparel that we did in the past. So really excited about that. Also excited about the hats. Um, so uh, the hats will be pretty cool. They have kind of a, a, a little patch um, at the bottom, so it's not like this audacious kind of thing. <laughs> I'm actually really interested to see what they look like once uh, we get them in real life. And then the other thing, I know Susie's done this in the past. Um, actually, all of my reviews today were done with the beta version of the video chat. Yeah. And... Um, so you may see this from your coaches. I will say not every coach is super video friendly. 
like I know for Susie and I, we can sit there and talk on video as if we're talking to you. Um, not everyone has that ability, so kind of keep that in mind, right? So if you're hearing, oh my goodness, you know, Susie sent me a video chat, it was so amazing. Um, just because your coach doesn't, doesn't, you know, they just might not be comfortable with that. We are actually looking to expand that to have various videos, you know, like the the training tutorials as an example would be a really good one that mm -hmm. we're hoping to kind of add that into the mix. But I know that uh, pretty much everyone that's seen him, seen him up to this point has really liked them. Um, have you used it at all yet or? I was gonna say like, I'm just on um, autopilot mode and I did all my reviews, I typed them out today, but I just made a note here to remind myself to do the, to experiment with the video reviews the next time they come up. I just was kind of in habit mode, but. Yeah. Well, and, and truthfully, it's been there for a while, right? Yeah. Um, but we don't know if your iPad or Android. So now that the the, the platforms are merged, um, I will say this: you do have to be on the new platform, right? So if you haven't downloaded the new app uh, or new versions of the app, you won't see it. So kind of keep that in mind. I know when I sent mine out, I also sent out a message that said. Did you see the video review? Just in case they're maybe on the old version and um, wondering, hey, <laughs> weren't you supposed to review me today? So um, okay. is that. So what we're going to talk about today, because, you know, within uh, these interested posts, we're literally, I mean, we've probably talked to 2,000 people in the last, you know, I'd say three weeks, right? Yeah. And what we're basically doing is sort of running through what a, you know, bigger view picture of what a plan looks like for you, right? And that's really different for every single person. But there's a common theme that is coming up. And uh, we wanted to talk about that because, you know, there's... <laughs> This is, I don't, I mean macroeconomic when I say macro view, right? There's the macro view and then the micro view, right? And a lot of people want a macro view that is one thing and that will solve everything, right? And kind of the topic of this podcast is, is that's not how dieting works. Right. Or at least not effective dieting that will last for your life. Right. Um, and there has to be change along the way or you will not see the result that you want. And, and, and the result is kind of interesting. Right. Because, you know, I want just right out the gate. I'm just going to give a great example. So I'm, I'm talking to this lady. And, and I mean, it was really kind of funny because I sent this into um, the coach's thread and she was talking to me and, uh, you know, she had, she had said something about a previous system that she did that, you know, she was unhappy with. And I said, well, you know, you know, do you know the CEO of the company? And um, she's like, I don't know. Why would you ask that? I said, because I run this company and you were talking to me, right? And and it was it was sort of like, 
look, all the secrets that you want to know is within the framework of each perform. And, you know, if you think you can talk to like a robot or, you know, use AI, right? Um, that might get you so far if you're like a great, here's a great example. So, so in, in, when I was finishing up the conversation with that lady, you know, she said, okay, great. So I plan on doing a detox for the next 10 days. Um, and so I'll come, I'll come back and talk to you after the 10 days. And I was like, that's an example of what I'm talking about, right? Is that what you're basically saying is I'm going to take a nuclear bomb and then I'm going to kill everything. And then I want you to come in and make trees burn. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, I'm just going to be real honest with you. I couldn't talk her out of the detox. So, yeah. so all she's going to do is pull all the water out of her body for the next 10 days. Right. Then she's going to rebound to the previous weight, possibly higher. And then maybe we got to deal with that. Right. And it would have been just better off if we just hadn't wasted our time with those previous 10 days yeah. and just actually started doing the work. I mean, let's be real. Whenever you're doing anything like this, it's going to be difficult. Right. Even, you know, even all the systems that are computerized and things of this nature and you can't really talk to anyone and it's kind of hard to get the information, but you know, they're talking to you about just eating as low as possible, as long as possible. And you feel alone and you don't really know how you're going to do that. Right. The reason why most diets go low as possible, long as possible is because one, that's a default to safety for them. Right. Because if they kind of put you at a middle level, and you aren't successful, you're going to blame them, right? And rightly so. So they would rather default to you actually having a plan that you can't do, right? When you look at the plans that we set up for you initially, they're plans you can do, right? Like one of the things I was talking to someone and, and you know, she wanted to get pretty aggressive right out the gate, which is, is awesome, right? Um, but she's like, how aggressive? I said, well, the lowest days are only two days a week. And the plan undulates so you can actually comply to it even. See, that's another thing that I think, you know, and, and I'll have Susie talk about it because from a, a science standpoint, she might have an opinion on it that I think might help everyone, right? But the plan undulating basically allows your metabolism to stay rolling, right? And so when you look at, you know, having one very low number for seven days a week where you're not sleeping, can't get to the gym or don't feel like going to the gym. You're always lethargic. You hate everything. You kick a cat. Right. I mean, there's just all these things that, that are just super, super negative. And, you know, what what we're trying to do is kind of keep the metabolism going, keep the workouts in place, have a calorie deficit set to where you're seeing progress or at the very least, a coach can look at your progress, see how you're responding, and make suggestions one way or the other, right? And so I'm going to let Susie kind of talk a little bit about the, the metabolic side of things because I think that that's something that a lot of people don't consider. Do you have any, any concrete thoughts there? 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at the way we structure our plan, and if you're not a Need to Perform member, um, you know, we, we mix low days, medium days, and high days. On your low day, you're going to have a, um, higher fat, lower carbs. Um, on your high day, you're going to have higher carbs, lower fat. Um, and then we also have a super day, um, which brings up your carbs and your fats. So what I do and when I talk to my clients is I'm basically telling them, look, this is your average if you look at your average over the course of the week, so you take the highs and the lows, you average it out. These are where your average calories are set. Um, those low days, you know, are the days where we're really kind of driving up that deficit. We're going, but we're also going to allow you to have, you know, some higher fat days. So for me on my low days, I like some avocado, I like cheese, I like, you know, some things that I might not be able to incorporate on my high day. Um, it makes me feel less deprived in a way. And then um, those high days, those super days allow you, again, to feel like you're not dieting, um, you know, you're mentally um, trying to just push through it day after day after day. Um, it also gives you, if it's deadlift day or if it's a day where you're going to put a little more stress on your central nervous system, um, do that on your high day when you're a little bit, um, you know, better fed, that sort of thing. Um, but we often get questions about, well, can I work out on, should I have to, do I have to work out on my high day? Can I work out on my low day? That sort of thing. Um, when you look at your average calories of the week, and that's the way basically weight loss happens. <laughs> it's over a week, not, you know, day to day. Um, you know, it all evens out in the end. Um, yeah. and it does kind of keep your metabolism. If you're going to bang 1200 calories out day after day after day, your metabolism is going to drop down faster than if you're 1200 one day and 14 the next and then 13 and then you know it just leaves your um your body guessing um in ways that will slow down that adaptation so well you know i know if you've ever done anything other than eat to perform once again we're talking about a highly customized plan where coaches can move up and down right and just to kind of see how you're responding. What Susie was talking about are the people that want to put 30 grams around of carbs around their workout just so they feel the will to work out, yeah. right? I mean, like if you're eating 800 calories, right, and you think those 30 grams of carbs around your workouts is going to be the magic thing that make you a killer, trust me, it's not right? It is a much more about calorie average. Now, it doesn't mean that calories won't go a little bit lower. One thing I did want to comment that, that Susie mentioned that I think is sort of helpful because we definitely get a lot of people that are either coming from low carb or, you know, actually prefer low carb. We're sort of agnostic on this, right? So, you know, if, if you know, you really want to go high fat, low carb, you know, especially when you first start off, the plan is not high carb, right? Um, if anything, it would be moderate to low carb, right? Oh, right? And so what I think happens for people, though, is they they kind of have these magic fairy dust ideas of what, you know, their need they need to be. I'll just tell you this. If somebody's telling you that you need to be at 30 grams of carbohydrates or you're not going to burn any fat, you need to get rid of that person in your life, right? That person is not helping you, 
right? Because at the end of the day, it really is about calories overall, whether it be fats or whether it be carbohydrates. So I want to keep that in mind because the coaches can make adjustments for you. But I will say this, the good majority of people that want to be super low carb, they mostly want to be low cal, right? And if we're looking at having some level of activity in the mix, you know, having, you know, 59 grams of carbohydrates on your low days is not going to take you out of ketosis. That is not the magical solution that's going to give you eight pack abs, right? We know how it works. We can help you through that process, but there has to be a open-mindedness to the truth, right? There has to be an open-mindedness to, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, you might not, you, you know, we have people that are endurance athletes like Ramona, who's one of the coaches, you know, she's 500 club as a female for carbohydrates, right? There are other people that do the same activities that Ramona does that actually have their fats higher, right? Um, it's just what works for Ramona and what feels best is really that that higher carbohydrate. But it doesn't mean that for you, that same number in fats, you know, once again, calories always being the main component, right? And so when we look at kind of the bigger idea of, of you know, what makes a diet work, right? It's a finite, acute period of time where you're getting to a deficit. And I think that that has a it has two reasons why that is good. One, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of you have a certain amount of will, right? So I think the best way to look at this, I know other people have heard this, you know, I've talked about it on podcasts in the past, so I apologize. Um, you can 30, 30, 30 um, ahead if you, if you know what's coming. But you have to think of it like a glass of water, right? And what we do is we, we take the fat loss periods and we cycle them into short periods of time, right? And the reason why we do that, one, metabolically, that's just far superior than anything else. Um, but secondly, it does help with willpower. So if you think of willpower like a glass of water, right, you're going to be drinking that glass of water. And, you know, roughly at about 60 days, you know, the glass is going to be empty, right? And so you can chew on the glass, right, for the next six months and get nowhere. Or you can start to reset, refill that glass of water, refill that metabolic capacity, refill, you know, all of the things that you need to do to make a long-term, you know, have long-term success. That's essentially how it works. So, when we say the diet that you want isn't the diet that you need, right? The diet that you want is to eat 800 calories for nine months, lose that 57 pounds so you can get back to the weight that you were when you were 18, right? Um, when in reality, you might have more muscle than you had at 18, Right there, you might have, you know, so we all kind of get these numbers in our head that really don't make a whole lot of difference to anything. 
But when we look at it realistic, okay, what we're trying to do is take periods of time where you're highly focused, right? And then we want to take a little break. And then, you know, if you have more fat to lose, you want to highly focus again, right? And as coaches, that's what our job is, to keep you focused on that, that standpoint. What I think happens for people, right, and it, this, is, this is coming up so much when I'm talking to people about the plans that they're on compared to the plans that, that we would set for them. One thing that I'm seeing a lot is that people are either too low I wouldn't say that that's the majority of the time. I think a lot of people say that they're eating 1,200 calories, but but they they also give you the information. But I do binge on weekends, but I do overeat snacks, right? And those calories also count, right? And so when you look at how you want to kind of take things and have them more even keel over time, the way that you do that is by eating mostly whole foods most of the time, even when you're out of a deficit cycle, even when you're kind of resetting, even when calories are normalizing. One thing I will say is that let's say that you're a 275-pound female and your long-term goal is 170 pounds. What you're probably not going to do, right, is get to to where Ramon is at, right, 500 clubs. Right. If 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 Susie and I are doing our job right, we're sort of talking you through these deficit cycles and keeping you focused. Right. Because I can say the difference between me as a coach four years ago and me as a coach now is I realize that you guys don't do a real good job of, you know, keeping yourself focused. And there is a, what I want to say is there's a fine line between support and enabling, right? And I think for us, that can be tricky at times because, look, if your dog dies, if your Uncle George passed away, right? I mean, it's very difficult for Susie and I to sit here and say, um, and, and that that, you know, I'm using extreme examples, but, you know, uh losing your job right um your kid going through a difficult time I and mean, we talked in last week's um podcast about you know a little bit about mental health and depression and, and things of that nature um some of those things get a little tricky to walk people through right and oh by the way a robot ain't going to be able to help you there right a you know ai system <laughs> it's not going to help you at all, right? And in fact, there's a high correlation between undereating and depression, right? You can Google that and you'll see infinite studies that prove that people who undereat and overexercise all the time without normalizing calories are more prone to mental episodes than the people that don't, right? So that's just a fact, you know, and and I understand that, you know, if as an example, you're that 275 pound person and you now weigh 170 pounds, but you've kind of done it in an unhealthy way, eating food's going to scare you a little bit, right? 
that's what Susie and I do. That's what the whole team does. We, we help you with that comfort level, right? And so I've been kind of kind of wordy here, and I know Susie's been taking some notes. So Susie, why don't you take over? Well, just to expand on, on one of the things you were saying, I mean, you said our diet cycles are short. I would say by the definition of short, I mean, they're anywhere from, you know, two to three months. Um, so when you're – when, you, when you've been with each perform for a while, that's not short, right, in a way. Um, it's actually a really decent amount of time, but I also think it gives you the willpower to say to your friends or, you know, when you go to the neighborhood barbecue, you know, I'm on this for 12 weeks and I really need to stick to it. Um, and then you have, you know, depending on how many fat loss cycles you do in a year, um, you have the rest of the months. Um, to maybe you're hitting your plan five days of the week and then you go to the barbecue, no big deal. You know, when you're looking weight maintenance versus weight loss, it's kind of two totally different ball games, I think, as far as compliance goes. Um, so when you find that you do dieting cycles versus trying to just diet 100% of the time is that you can have more of a life. Um, I think people who try to diet all of the time find themselves in a cycle where Monday through Friday, they're great. Saturday, oh, I have this cheat day. <laughs> Sunday, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. And then Monday, I'm back at it. Um, and so. And maybe even more acutely. Right. Right. And so that's, you know, that's the one of the purposes behind uh, dieting cycles. You know, obviously the other uh, purpose is, metabolism related and uh, you know we've talked a lot about what happens to your metabolism when you diet and then lastly if you're going to go on a low calorie especially a low carbohydrate diet for a long period of time that will mess with the function of your thyroid gland um, and your thyroid gland helps to reg regulate your metabolic rate um, so going very low carbohydrate for a very long period of time um, can also affect um, you in ways that you might have never intended. Um, so, you know, by having a coach that will lead you in and out of these cycles, um, we can keep your health, um, you know, sort of at an optimal level, you know, so that you then don't, you know, see other effects tied to, you know, trying to go low calorie all the time. And we're not going to just pick on low carb here, right? There's right, low calories. Right. So there'll be there'll be men and women on low fat diets that find that it's very difficult to build muscle at that point, because, you know, when you look at it, a lot of the fats break down to a lot of the hormones that you'll need to kind of have that repair cycle that allows you to build muscle. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. Also, there was a one interesting conversation that I had where the one gal was like, Okay, but am I going to have to eat fish at 8.30 at night? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about, you know? And I think what happens is, is that, you know, many of you are coming from these really restrictive ways of doing things, really restrictive thought processes, right? And realistically, you can get to a similar place kind of an 80-20 point of view. I kind of remember that with, within the paleo movement back in the day. I know not everyone's doing paleo anymore. They've moved on to much more dramatic and, right. you know, <laughs> you know, just 
more intense suffering, right, than than paleo. Paleo back in the day was pretty tough suffering. But but I remember the the mantra of paleo was as long as you're doing it 80% of the time, you know, um, the other 20 you could be a little bit more flexible on. And then, you know, there's been the people were like, no, there's just no way that you could do it. Um, and then have success. And, and ultimately, the reason why a lot of people would fail with the 80-20 model is because they really didn't want to be eating like that, right? They, they technically wanted to be eating in the 20 model. And, and truthfully, I feel like there's a lot of people that are struggling with obesity that do need to grow up, right? I needed to grow up. I needed to have veggies in the mix. I needed to make sure that I was eating mostly whole foods most of the time. Um, I mean, there's just things that, that I look at, you know, I'm not saying that I never have a soda or I never have pop, but I kind of never have soda and I never have pop, right? I mean, you know, I, I would say once a month, you know, where it'll be kind of a rare occasion, you know, every now and again at Chipotle, I'll I'll uh, I'll get like a grapefruit Izzy. I don't know if they have Izzy's where where you are, yeah. um, but um, you know I'll get that uh, just as a thing. You know, every now and again, uh, if we go eat at this one Mexican restaurant, I get a Doritos. I don't know if that, I'm saying that right, but it's like a a Mexican soda, um, wow. and I get it because mostly you know when you're in Mexico. You know, they're really good, you know, yeah. but, but it's very rare, you know, that, that I would do that. It's, you know, uh, I can't remember a time that I've gone to McDonald's. Doesn't mean that I won't go to McDonald's, right? Doesn't mean that if I'm in a pickle, I can't figure out a way to have a, a quarter pounder and make that fit. But, you know, that's not a really big part of my life. Right. Um, that's not how I structure my life. Right. And and I and I want to kind of get into that a little bit um, also. So so kind of keep that in mind. I would say that the majority of people that we're talking to, you know, they don't fall in the 80, 20 category. They fall into the ninety nine point nine percent, you know, chicken and kale model. Right. And they probably actually need to move to more of the 80-20 to actually have the success that they want, right? Um, the other thing, this is probably the most common reasons why your diet isn't working, is that you're actually in the middle of the road. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I wrote down, a, I actually wrote a note about that. You're in a metabolic no man's land. Yeah. So... Yeah. So I will say that six years ago, I kind of had this belief and I had this thought process. Now I'll tell, I'll tell you what the thought process was and I'll tell you why I believed it. Um, and I think it'll help you because you can see success at a higher caloric rate as long as you're working your face off, right? And at that time, I was working my face off, right? But if you're not working your face off, you either need to be higher or you need to be lower, right? 
Um, and I think that there's a lot of people that are, that are looking at their smartwatch and, and they're trying to get to an 800 calorie deficit and, and things of this nature. And, you know, as a female, they're eating 1900 calories and they can't figure out where they're losing weight. Or as a male, they're eating 2300 calories and, 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 and burning 4300 calories and don't understand why they're not losing, you know, four pounds a week. The reason why is because that's not really how your body works. Your body adjusts to that, right? It's a process called homeostasis. Your body's going to find balance. So whatever it is that you do, your body's going to adjust to that. So if you eat 2,300 calories but burn 4,300 calories, a week, two weeks, you might have you might have two weeks where you see four to five pounds down right? Then you're done, right? Like you can control it with activity a little bit in a very acute, very small time period, right? For you to continue to see success, you have to kind of go with the sort of law of homeostasis, right? Is that now if you're doing 4,300 Burning 4,300 a day, you're going to have to burn 4,800, right? And 5,300. And a lot of people ask me if what you did to get fit was, you know, work your face off and eat a lot of food, why wouldn't you do it again? Well, a couple things. One, it's much harder to do it that way, right? It's much easier, as an example, just to have like a 60-day window where you're actually being a little bit more aggressive than you might think you need to be, right? Um, because people inherently don't want to be uncomfortable, right? But it's that discomfort that is going to allow you to use stored bodily fat as fuel, right? And there's people listening to this right now. They're going, well, I know for a fact that I eat 1,200 calories a day. I log it. I have an ergonometer. I mean, dude, trust me, 1,200 a day is what I eat every single day. And you know what? I'm not uncomfortable. That's why you're not burning body fat. Your body's adjusted to that, right? So this this magic number principle that you want us to have, so you you want to you want us to say, here's the plan, right? Eat 1,243 calories. That's just not how it works, right? And the much better way is to have a plan that sort of evolves as your needs evolve, and then you kind of cycle things in and out. Because one of the things that I do here, I mean, and I just want to say this because I say this probably 15 times a day. I'll talk to a 260-pound female, and she'll say to me, dude, I'm telling you, I do not undereat or I, I do not overeat. Everyone around me thinks I overeat, and I do not overeat. Yes, I indulge once or twice. She's like, there's just no way that, you know, I shouldn't be seeing better results. And I was like, not only do I believe you, I've seen thousands of people like you, right? 
Susie and I see people like you all the time. The reason why is because if you're 260 pounds and you started at 295, right, and you did the standard, I'm going to eat as low as possible, suffer as long as possible, and, and now you're kind of stuck and you don't know what to do. And you realize that 260 isn't where you want to land, right? You're going to have to normalize calories. Okay. So let's talk about that piece. And then there's one other piece that I'm going to talk about, and then we can kind of kind of be done. I feel like well, we could have a whole podcast on, on why your smartwatch is lying to you. Yes. <laughs> In a yeah. sense. Um, because I do get people that will say, my watch told me that I burned, I, I'm speaking from a female perspective, 2,400 calories. I ate 1,600 calories. It's an 800 calorie deficit. If you do the math, I should lose this many pounds a week. And um, I, I always hate to break it to somebody, but your smartwatch is not telling you the truth. <laughs> um, it, it's based on a formula, um, and it's not taking in, you know, how long have you been eating 1,600 calories? Um, they're notoriously bad at, at estimating calories burned during activities. Um, they'll give you practically nothing for strength um, training, and then you'll you'll get massive amounts of calories burned during cardio. Um, you know, so it's just uh, I would say let go of that. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're if you're basing your um, your entire diet plan off of what your watch is telling you, um, I, I would leave it to um, more of the experts, uh, like a coach who can, who has seen thousands of clients and, and can, can really explain to you um, why you might not be losing weight despite what your watch says. Um, but Paul hit on this metabolic no man's land. I like to call it the period where you're not really low enough to lose weight, but you're not high enough to put on muscle or really, um, you know, optimize your performance in the gym. So um, not to pick on carbohydrates, but in my mind, it's, it's for a female if you were eating sort of between 50 and 100 carbohydrates. You're not low enough to be ketosis. You're not high enough to, to really um, perform well in your workouts or look at adding muscle. Um, I also think of metabolic no man's land um, in the sense of intermittent fasting. Um, I know we haven't gotten on that yet, but um, you know, by definition, if you're just if you're not eating for 16 hours a day, you're missing out um, on times when you could be um, pushing up your muscle protein synthesis, repairing muscle, building muscle. Um, and people people don't think about that when they go into a, a intermittent fasting sort of lifestyle. Um, so maybe you'll get some weight loss out of it, but you're certainly not going to gain a lot of muscle that way. Um, what else, Paul? I, I, okay, so I want to I step over what you're saying here because everything that you're talking about and everything that we're talking about is everyone kind of is out there with the thought process of give me the lowest number I can get so I can suffer as long as possible and then I'll go back to normal. Right. That doesn't work. That's what we're trying to say, right? What we're trying to say is that, you know, you – your diet structure needs to ebb and flow to work optimally, right? And any diet that doesn't do that, that doesn't talk to you about normalizing calories, run, get away, right? Okay. Because, because, you know, like I said, that 295-pound person that loses 35 pounds and gets stuck, 
That happens all the time, right? And it's that set point that needs to be reset so that you can go lower. Okay, will I gain weight, right? So I'm gonna use the 260 pound scenario and then I'm gonna talk about the, the 140 pound scenario also. And I'm gonna use women um, just cause I think that's you know 90% of the audience for who we're talking to, but it does apply to men as well, right? So you have your 260 pound lady. I have a private client that I'm working with right now. Um, she started fat loss two months ago. I remember it was so it was so shocking. Um, she started at 2:30, and uh, he lost 12 pounds faster than anybody I'd ever seen. You know. Um, and her calories, you know, I knew what her calories were going in. Um, so it didn't seem like there was anything that just really stood out to you. But it was really striking how quickly she, she lost that weight. Um, so will you gain weight as her calories are coming back? Well, her calories are coming back. And she's still losing. Now, is she losing at the rate? So we started at 2.30, right? We're now at 2.05. She was in fat loss, right, to 210. So she's now down five. And, you know, as food starts to come back, it's going to fluctuate a little bit more. But I think she could easily get to 200 or under 200 um, as we're kind of adding back food. And then, you know, in roughly, I think she's reversing right now. So roughly five weeks from now, we'll hit another fat loss. That's how it works. That's how we do it. Right. And and that's the best way to do it by far. You know, um, the, the problem that you run into in that scenario is that, you know, if you haven't been eating food for a very long time and now all of a sudden you can't eat form and you have fat loss and you lost the 20 pounds and, and things of that nature. But you start eating that food. You're like, well, I was 230 and now I'm 210. So, you know. I'm good. Keep feeding me. And it's like, okay, well, but remember when you said to me your goal was 170, right? That's not going to work with your goal. And you're going to be, you're going to potentially, your weight typically does not, or weight, weight gain typically does not happen overnight. It happens gradually in a creeping sort of way, right? So will you gain weight? I would argue that. If you're a 260-pound female, you lose 20 pounds, you're going to get up throughout the day more. You're going to feel like more energetic at the gym. You're going to be able to do things you used to not be able to do, right? So those things are going to be monstrous improvements that are going to allow. And, I mean, we could show you case after case after case of people that went from, you know, 290 to, you know, 185 and did it exactly the way I'm talking about. Okay, now what happens at 185? You've kind of used that trump card, right? You know, and, and let's be real. If you were 295 and you got down to 185, you know, you probably worked your face off to get there, right? Because you were super motivated, everything was clicking, you know, 
Um, you're having these periods where you're eating your food and then you move to fat loss and, and now you've figured it all out, right? And at 185, you're in a performance cycle and you're just so frustrated because weight won't go down. It's not and, – and you can point to six months before where you lost 15 pounds in a performance cycle. And that is really, really frustrating because right now at 185, you magic number in your head was 170, right? This happens a lot for our 140-pound clients. Happens oh, yeah. a lot for our 120-pound clients. They don't realize that, you know, unless you are a professional athlete that is paid and incentivized to work out all the time, it's going to be very difficult to kind of move things. Now, don't get me wrong. You can move things two to three pounds, right? But trying to exercise your way in a deficit, like I said, I think you're going to run into homeostasis problems much faster than you will pulling things down, right? Because when we're talking about like a, a, a short deficit cycle and we're moving back to normal, you know, if you're, say, 120, right, and you're a 5'1 female and you move to 110, it's going to make a big difference for you. You'll feel it, right? Instead of doing four pull-ups, you'll be able to do six pull-ups and things of that nature. But when you're 290 and you go to 185, you go from not doing a pull-up to be able to do 15 consecutive, right? right? So, so the difference that you're able to do performance-wise and building muscle and things of that nature. That brings me to one last point because I, I said I would finish and then I'm going to leave, give Susie the last word. But I think we covered that really well. I need everybody to sort of understand that, like, this thought process that eat performance telling you to work your face off and you're going to lose a lot of weight and things like that. You know, we're pro, pro deficits, right? Like, like, we do it all day long, every single day, right? And, and we don't have any problem with you having those goals. You know, we just need you to understand that there's a process to do this optimally. And keeping muscle is also part of that process. Um, I had a thought, and then it was kind of fleeting. So I'm going to just end there, and then I'm going to give you the last word. Um. Yeah, I mean, as far as just what you just said, I had to laugh the other day because I was going through and doing my reviews, and I I, I had the feeling like at least 50, if not 60% of, of the reviews I was doing and out of, say, 80, 85 um, of my clients are in some stage of fat loss, right? So um, as Paul said, no, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to work people down toward their goals. Um, I also want people to, to sustain um, goals along the way. And one of the ways that we do that is by, you know, these periods of maintenance and such. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love helping clients get to their goals and have certainly nothing against deficit cycles whatsoever. Um, but it's all part of a bigger strategy. Uh, and I think that's what you were trying to get to. So uh, the next one could probably give, give some lip service to, to muscle gain and that could probably be its own podcast but 
we talk to a lot of people every single day, right? I said Susie would have the last word, but I'm going to finish on no, this. Go for it. <laughs> is that you're not going to be able to build a significant amount of muscle eating in a calorie deficit. You might have some tissue go positively one way or the other, and you've taken your body fat test and and three month cycle, you know, it's it showed a great result and next three month cycle, you know, I don't even know why I work out anymore. You know, um, almost everyone doesn't push the food side enough to get a significant amount of muscle gain um, on, on that side or the exercise side. Right. So I was talking, you know, one of my best friends in the world owns three Orange Theories, love Orange Theory. Right. But this gal's talking to me about Orange Theory and they got body fat test at their place. Right. And she can't figure out why, why she's not building muscle. I'm like, well, it's because you're doing Orange Theory. Right. <laughs> like nothing against Orange Theory, but it's not a muscle building protocol. I mean, there's guys at the gym that, you know, are working out three hours a day, they're on every manner of PED, and they can't grow muscle. <laughs> you thinking that you can grow muscle doing cardio, right? Just Google it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, just, I just think that that's one of the best ways to answer a lot of these questions is like, just Google it. Because the reality is, it's going to be harder to build, well, it's almost impossible to build muscle with cardio. And just a small amount of resistance training for those individuals where you're doing things a little bit slow. Look, I do hit, I love, you know, high intensity work, but if I'm trying to build muscle, that might actually be working against my goal and often will. So kind of keep that in mind also, because, you know, I'm all for, you know, building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Right. Like, like I know that that's everybody's nirvana. Um, but if you're going to do that, you're going to have to have a certain way that you do your workouts, right? And doesn't mean that you can't go to Orange Theory. Like I said, I don't want Matt to lose his business, right? But it might mean that you would want to add in some accessory work two days out of the week to actually hold on some of the muscle that you might be losing at Orange Theory, right? Um, so kind of keep that in mind. All right. Everybody have a great weekend. Um, we're still doing, I mean, we never realized how many people wanted these plans, right? So we're still doing them. You're more than welcome. I will say if you're a current Eat to Perform client, just message your coach, right? Um, you know, most of what we're going to be talking about, you know in spades, right? You've listened to all of our podcasts. You've talked to us. It's really more for people that are just kind of starting to hear about Eat to Perform and really kind of looking for that that bigger picture view of what a long-term goal looks like. So mm -hmm. appreciate everybody listening and uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. Yeah, I was right about to say that. So <laughs> happy Mother's Day weekend. All right. Well, everybody have a great weekend and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye now. <laughs>